Hello, I'm Mick Dandy. And I'm Hannah Hampton. And you're listening to HR After Hours. All right, Hannah. Well, butter my biscuits and call me Sally. I am so pumped up about today's podcast. (laughs) My understanding is you've got a great topic for us today. I do. We're going to file this one under unbelievable. Oh, my goodness. Don't (laughs) tease me. Well, Mick, given that you have a lot of experience in recruiting, what would you do if you saw a job posting that asked for a preferably Caucasian applicant? Wait, I... Like on a job board, the Mm -hmm. ad that I post, it actually says that they prefer a Caucasian for the role? Yep. This happened. (laughs) (laughs) This happened uh, in a Virginia Tech staffing company. They had to send out an apology because they had posted on an online job board, I believe it was LinkedIn, but they had posted in the position that it was they preferred a Caucasian applicant. Really? Well, let me do something real quick. So for clarification purposes, because I I don't, we could get some backlash on this. When you say a Virginia technical recruiting company, not Virginia Tech, correct? Correct. A Virginia Tech staffing company. So a technical, you know, tech technology. So that is correct. I appreciate the clarification. But yes, it's a, a uh, staffing company out of the state of Virginia had posted on a job description on LinkedIn. I'll, I'll read you the, uh, the bullet points, preferably Caucasian, who has good technical background, including, including knowledge of RPA, eight to 10 years of experience, relationship individual who can get more opportunities and build the account. So yes, the very first bullet point was preferably Caucasian. I was going to say, they just started straight out of the gate. We want Whitey. Yeah. And I'm, you know, I'm a little surprised it wasn't preferably Caucasian male. I mean, let's just take it all the way over. I honestly was waiting for you to to read that. I thought I was afraid that that was going to be part of it. Yeah. So this, uh, uh, basically uh, they posted that and obviously, uh, once it was brought to their attention, the company removed the post and issued an apology, but uh, you know, here's the thing. I've been following this quite, uh, quite closely. You know, the company said the individuals involved have been fired. So I will, you know, put that on the record that yes, they did say they were fired. However, an early tweet on it, an early tweet that had been deleted, stated that they were going to be retraining the individual, and they probably was probably brought to their attention, like you know what. Retraining's probably not good enough, so they stated the individual had been fired and that the job post itself does not reflect, and I'm going to quote this, does not reflect our core values of inclusivity and equality. So the company had to issue, an, uh, you know, they issued the apology. Of course, the damage is already done. People read it, people saw it, it went viral. But, you know, my question, and I definitely have my theories on it, my question is, how does this happen? How do you let this happen? What are your thoughts? 
Uh, well, I, I'm I'm afraid I may know the answer. Um, so before we get serious, because this is a problem. I mean, let's be very honest. Um, you know, the, oh man, um, you know, I don't even know where to start. You know, well, first, because I, you know, I've got to be me for a second and just say that um, I have long been looking for this quote unquote advantage of being a white male in society. <laughs> recently that I keep hearing so much about. Um, I think I would be out of character if I didn't make some sort of asinine remark like that. Um, but since this is obviously a very serious subject and it's it's a problem, my theory, I've not encountered this directly. I think I was felt out uh, to someone, I think, attempted to try to feel me out, see if I would do this many, many moons ago, when you're with a staffing or placement or direct hire type mm -hmm. of environment, you do get clients that want to give you the quote unquote off the record preferences of right. what they're looking for. I think the closest thing I ever had to this, and it actually wasn't an agency role. It was when I was a regional recruiting manager somewhere where I did have a hiring manager tell me, that um, they did want a guy uh, for a leadership role because the entire office was made up of females and he was spending a lot of his time putting out uh, fires that were created by the infighting in this office. And he, of course, was blaming it on the fact that it was a, a group of women working together. And I had to quickly throw my HR hat on and say, well, that's a pretty inappropriate uh, and over-the-top assumption in the first yeah. place, and then to take that ridiculous assumption and create the even more asinine and ridiculous solution of picking a specific gender to be the target hire, I said no. And then, yeah. like I said, on the agency side, I've been felt out where I could tell they were trying to tell me what they needed. And I said, well, hey, I, just so you know, I'm writing down everything you tell me because I got to make sure I hire specifically what you're looking for. And that was my way of kind of warning them, don't go off the rails here, chief. And I actually, no, not to, sorry to interrupt. I actually no, please did do. Exper I experienced this. I worked for a short amount of time uh, in a recruiting department for a tech staffing agency. And we received a job post where it said, and this is a little different, it wasn't as blatant as preferably Caucasian, but the post said, no arrogant Americans. Um, <laughs> yeah, and that's, that's the true story. So, but here's the thing, I had come from working a, for a very big company where there was a lot of pieces in place and you were expected to do your job and do it perfectly. So we get the job rack, it comes in. I read through the bullet points because I always did this before I posted it to our, our job site and all of our job boards. I read it and I'm like, I am not comfortable putting this language in there. It's terrible. So, and I did this for all the job postings. I clean them up. I wanted it to look good. I wanted it to be grammatically correct. So I removed the no arrogant Americans. Well, fast forward about two days and the president of the company runs into my office. He's like, Hannah, 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 did you post that position from clients? I'm going to not use the client's name, but I said, yes, I did. He's like, we were told to remove it immediately. There was some language that wasn't appropriate. And I'm like, Mr. You know, Mr. Company President, again, I'm not going to use his name. 
I'm like, I gotcha. I know exactly what you're talking about. I removed it. I wasn't going to let our company look like we were expecting this type of person or saying a certain type of person could not apply. And I definitely looked a bit like the hero. But like I said, I experienced not as bad as preferably Caucasian, but no arrogant Americans. And what had happened was another staffing company, and I think similar to what happened here, another staffing company had posted the ad verbatim as it came through the vendor management system and somebody complained about it and they got in trouble and I felt really good about my skills, my decision-making skills because <laughs> come on, man. And I'm thinking that's exactly what happened here. But my, my question to you, even if it's your first day in recruiting or HR, wouldn't you know that it doesn't, something ain't right about preferably Caucasian. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I'm going to guess that they did a copy and paste maybe from a client email. They didn't do this on purpose. This means that, or the way I look at it is when you get caught, that's not the first time you did what you did, right? Mm -hmm. So they have a client. I don't know if they're going to throw them under the bus to save their own skin later, but they have a client who they've let give them that type of direction in hiring before with a wink, wink, nudge, nudge, know what I mean, know what I mean. Mm -hmm. And, and of course, it's not supposed to make it into the ad. But, you know, I'd like the, the bigger question is, who is this client that they were posting for? Because chances are, if we were to dig deep and someone were to do an investigation of this client, I would imagine they would find that their hiring practices were extremely discriminatory. It makes me wonder that quite a bit as well. And, you know, I, I think what had happened, it, it slipped through the cracks. Whoever was posting the job, cut and paste job, didn't review it, probably in a hurry, maybe had a million other things to do. But it's, it is puzzling and concerning the company wouldn't have anything in place with regards to ensuring that this didn't happen or you know again if this came through a vendor management system or an email the, the company that they're working with what do they what practices that do they have in place that this would actually get out to their partners you know and you think about you as a recruiter uh, a staffing company you're partnering with various companies but how did the company let this out and out to their recruiting partners? Like to me, that's super troubling and makes me wonder about the company that they were recruiting for. Well, let me tell you, Lee Harvey, I have another conspiracy theory. What if the reason this made it to print mm -hmm. was a recruiter or recruiting coordinator that was absolutely appalled? by this client's hiring practices mm. and decided to let it slip by. They probably knew that they, you know, hopefully they had another job if they were brilliant enough to do that. And maybe that's that was someone's passive aggressive way of saying, I want nothing to do with this type of hiring practices. And I think it's asinine that we've allowed a client to get away with this. So I'm going to sabotage it and uh, blow the lid on this uh, this this whole act of discriminatory hiring. You know, that is a good, I like that theory. And it makes me think also, like, maybe it was a disgruntled former employee who was fired, who had access to logins and went on to the job board and, and posted that. Like, there's so much that it could be. 
And that you brought up a good point that maybe it's somebody who's pissed off and decided to take measures into their own hands and did something, well, very tasteless and caused an uproar, a, a possibility that it's just somebody who's disgruntled or just plain pissed off. Yeah, maybe they walked out the door with their arms held high and their middle fingers extended and said, I am out of here and left in a blaze of glory. And if that is the case... I would love some follow-up on this story. And if we find out that's what happened, I want you to know, Mr. or Mrs. Whistleblower, you are my hero if this was done on purpose. Because I think this is still a problem that exists when mm -hmm. companies in use outside vendors for their staffing. And they want to have those off-the-record conversations. And, well, you know, there's uh, things we talk about on the record. And here's, let me, let me tell you what I really would prefer there's there's no place for that anymore. It just it just doesn't exist anymore. We have got to hire the most qualified person. And if their personality is unbearable, then you just don't hire them because they can't work well with others, right? In my early years, my report cards were all straight A's except for the part on works well with others. I got a big B minus because I could be a pain in the ass. Um, <laughs> It's like my favorite thing is, do you remember, Hannah, in any of your business courses where you had group projects and there was always a team that they got stuck with some slackers or people would migrate to the one person they knew to work their ass off. And, you know, that person would go to the professor and say, hey, listen, I've got some people on my team that aren't holding up their end of the bargain. I'm doing more of the work. And nine times out of 10, back in the day, I don't know if this is still the case. I'm extremely old. Um, but back in the day, the um, canned professor response would be, well, guess what? Welcome to the real world. That's how it is in business. You know, people like you are the ones that work hard and you're going to carry other people. And at some point they'll get caught. Well, I think it's the same thing with this. So, you know, there's no excuse for off-the-record conversations and your hiring preferences. Your hiring preferences need to be someone that's going to impact my business in a positive manner and move it forward, no matter what their race, you know, if their gender, you know, sexual orientation, whatever it is, I don't care. Whoever's going to do the job best, because I guarantee you, there, I, I know that there are people listening to this saying, you know what? I hear this happens to me once a month or every couple of months, or I have this one client that they have these discriminatory hiring practices that they have to tell me about off the record. So hopefully it was a whistleblower and this company is going to have to change. Hopefully the client gets called out on it. And if yeah. it was an accident, you know me, I believe all things happen for a reason. So uh, we'll call it a happy accident. And that's all we have to say about that. Well said. And I, I agree. Companies, if, if this happens, they get called out on it. And luckily, with social media and the speed of the internet, it nothing is going to get past people anymore. So I hope it certainly brings uh, terrible hiring practices to light. And well said. I appreciate your insight on that. No, I love it. And I think this would be a great topic for our listeners to share their experiences. Remember, we will do name and company withheld upon request. But I would love to hear how some of our listeners have combated, um, you know, these type of uh, unlawful hiring practices and off the record conversations. Or, you know, if mm -hmm. you are listening and you are stuck in a bad situation and maybe your boss has even said, you know, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, 
you know, I understand you don't agree. Do the best you can to deal with it however you can. Um, you know, if you're listening and, and you're not comfortable with that, stop doing it, you know. Mm-hmm. And I'm not a big whistleblower. I'm not that run and tell mom type of person. You know, I, I read recently that, um, you know, you can talk to my lawyer is the adult equivalent of I'm telling mom. Well, you know what? Every once in a while, it's okay to tell mom. And I think this is definitely one of those cases. You know, on that note, I'm going to go tell mom. <laughs> it's time for mailroom shenanigans. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> That's it right there. I love it. Mailroom shenanigans. <laughs> Mailroom right. shenanigans. So it says, hello, HR people. Let me start by saying that I love your podcast. I love Hannah's giggles and appreciate input. That other guy could use a few pointers. Smiley face, laugh out loud. Just kidding. Love you, Mick. Ha! Got a fan. It says, my question is, my warehouse staff is underpaid according to the market average, but most of them choose to work here because the company is based in a small town and people don't want to drive outside of their quote-unquote comfort zone. So when everyone comes in, life is great, but I have a lot of people call in sick. They do not qualify for pay time off until they have been here a year. So, of course, the days they call in are unpaid. Mm. Uh, Because management knows they are underpaid, they have become more lax on the attendance policy. I'm not sure if this is good or bad. From an HR perspective, should I let management roll with their way since they don't take much stake in human resources? Oh, so she she's saying that she is actually a recruiter who's picked up the HR responsibilities. I can I can totally relate. I've done that before. Mm-hmm. Um, so should I try to enforce um, the policy in the handbook, you know, or do maybe a looser version of what's in the handbook so attendance has some sort of guidelines? Okay. I'm assuming Mick, you'll hand this over to Hannah. Ha ha ha. Um, <laughs> I should well, read. I should read her name just for that. Oh I no! Don't not. do that to one of our listeners. Well, so seriously, Anna, her HR. You know, they actually do have a policy. So there's a, a, a an employee handbook, but that this is not a company. It sounds like that constantly involves HR in termination or um, disciplinary action. What should this person do? What are your thoughts? Well, initially. You know, she asks, is this good or bad? And of, of course it's bad. So here's, I'm going to give you the really high level quick answer, and then we'll dig into what to do. So it, what's bad about it is if you terminate someone due to attendance and they're able to prove that you have a policy that you don't follow, a judge is going to look at that as, as a bad thing. Like you have a written policy, you've set clear expectations but you haven't done your job as a company to follow them. So how do you keep it consistent? Well, that's very difficult. And if you do terminate somebody for attendance, they easily could come back and prove like you don't um, follow it to the T, you don't follow it as written, so that's bad. So ultimately my first answer is that's not a good thing. Now what to do going forward? I have to say full disclosure, I've, I've worked in environments where we've had very similar situations and it is, my, my advice on this is to either 
follow the policy it is, and then set that clear expectations. Like starting on June 1st, we are going to be following the attendance policy as written. Give some wiggle room, set that clear expectation so that people can get back into the habit, get childcare, whatever they need to do to be able to follow the policy. Uh, set that clear expectation starting June 1st, we're gonna do this. Or if you want to amend the policy or rewrite the policy so that it is easier to follow or so it is closer to what people are doing, then rewrite the policy educate the staff, have them sign off that they have read it. And obviously, if you're going to go back to setting, you know, having them follow it to a T as is, you want them to, to sign the policy as well. Having having that proof that you have communicated this change. But I would say if you want to loosen it up, you got to do it in writing. If you want to keep it tight, keep it tight. That is my professional HR advice to you. Now, here's the here's the thing. I live in the real, real world and I know that, that things happen. So my advice on that is document any, uh, anything, anytime that somebody doesn't follow the policy or gives somebody a pass, document as to why, uh, set that clear expectation that going forward you're going to follow it. So they know going forward they have to do things differently. I, I hate that uh, you have to be such a hard ass on people sometimes, but at the end of the day, if you your policy leads to terminations or that's something that happens and 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 in my past life these type attendance uh infractions led to terminations you really do have to hold people accountable to following the policy as written or else you're going to put yourself in that danger zone of potential discrimination uh so i always just say follow it or change it yeah, I'm really going to agree with everything you said. So, Jennifer uh, Jennifer Neiman at Rollins Shipping and Moving in North Carolina, name <laughs> uh, withheld to protect your privacy. Um, yeah, I, I think the big thing, and, and the, you know, you're going to have to get the leadership uh, of your company's buy-in, right? Yep. So, I mean, you're going to have to call a meeting and say, okay, so the policy as written is probably too strict and we're never going to be staffed if we execute this policy at 100%. What can we put up with? Mm -hmm. uh, um, you know, maybe you should have a policy where there's um, more than one schedule available. I know this is very hard in the warehouse industry. I did uh, catch that part because I thought I had some other answers. And I do know you have to have very strict schedules in warehousing and logistics. Mm -hmm. um, maybe you can create a staggered schedule. So if part of the problem, we got to get to the source of why people are calling off. Right. Are they simply calling off because this is a small town warehouse and that's what people do in a small town? You know, it's 75 degrees and sunny today for the first time in three months. We're all going to go down to the creek and do some swimming. I don't know. You got to get to the source of the, the attendance issue. And if it simply is, you know, staggering schedules would help and you get the team to agree on that. What you know, do whatever you have to do. You do have to have something in place and you do have to enforce that because you, if you don't, you're right. There's people can misconstrue this 
um, lackadaisical enforcement of these rules as gender bias, race bias, mm-hmm. you know. So you are leaving yourself susceptible to some bad things, which obviously I think you know, uh, or you would not have sent us this email. And then everything you said about the way to communicate and launch it is spot on. I mean, you and I have seen rollouts to when we work together. The companies that do those meetings, do those rollouts, have you sign off on the attendance policy. Those are the those are the companies that I, I do think the the associates and team members do like to know that there are rules that are being enforced. They're always going to feel like, you know, well, Billy Bob can do whatever he wants, but I need to make the money. You know, I'm being cheated by the the fact that uh, there's no difference for me than the person that calls off one day a week. I always say showing up to work, that's bare minimum. Yeah, right. I, I think that I think that's a pretty fair um, expectation to set is that you show up. But what's what is frustrating, and I'm sure that's where this email's coming from, is we're not seeing that like we used to. And I'm not gonna get out of my front lawn and start shaking my rake about kids today not caring and coming into work. Um, or you ghosting. Know, or ghosting, exactly. Mm-hmm. But I, I do think that, you know, recommunicating those expectations and enforcing them, I think you'll find that people will stop calling in as frequently because right now um, they're doing what you let them do and they don't think about the long-term impact on their finances. They're just thinking, eh, I don't feel like going in work today. Nothing's going to happen to me if I don't. So I'm not going to. And that's all she wrote. I love it when he closed like that. Um, <laughs> the person's name that emailed his company or location. So please don't be discouraged by my outburst and not email us ever again. Um, <laughs> we want to hear from you. I hope we were helpful, or I should really say Hannah was helpful, um, because I think everything she stated was spot on. So once again, let us know. Did it work? Did you listen to us? Yeah, keep us posted. All right, right on. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Cindy, fuck me. I'll have to cut this out. Uh, (laughs) Maybe I will. Maybe I won't. Eh, Leave it in. All right. Well, that's it for this episode of HR After Hours. Um, But this is Mick Danzig. This is Hannah Hampton. Until we see you next time. Have a great day. Take care. Bye-bye.